Happy Monday. Welcome to the Sleeper and Keepers Fantasy Hockey Podcast, part of the Hockey News Podcast Network. This is episode 13. My name is Jason Chen. I'll be your host and joining me is Mike Amato. How's it going, Mike? Good, Jason. How are you doing? Good, good. Could be better. Could be better. That Flames game against the Canucks kind of put me on tilt a little bit, but I'm glad it worked out. Zadorov with the empty net goal. That was kind of fitting and poetic. Yeah, he that was a big trade for the Canucks this week. I'm uh, I'm kind of surprised they got him for a for that cheap and b from a division rival. You don't see that too often. Yeah, the cheapness for sure. But speaking of empty net goals, though, I don't think that was the biggest one this week, though. <laughs> yeah, Tristan Jari, the goal, the rare goalie goal. Um, so I have a question. The guy I was playing this week in fantasy has Jari, and we don't count uh, goalie goals. So I kind of caught a break there. But I'm a big fan in general of counting them i think they should be like 10 <laughs> points make it like a huge bonus if your goalie gets one because it's so rare do you have them in your league no i don't think you can do it in yahoo but i know fan tracks i believe you can set uh like a goalie yeah. goal points but i think if you're going to go that far you should probably include assists and pims oh yeah that imagine get... if you had peak ron hextel or like billy smith <laughs> and you counted pims or broder or something yeah right. exactly. broder for the assists yeah yeah no i hear you that could get a little interesting because yeah there is a lot more assists obviously than goals for goalies and some of them you know the goalie just kicks the rebound out to somebody and they pass it up and it's a goal so there could be some kind of freebies there but yeah i could see the argument for it so i kind of wondered about this but i wonder also how many points you should get for a goalie goal a lot. it can't be outrageous though right like no, you can't I, be like oh the goalie scored a goal i win this week <laughs> yeah it's for a goalie goal or something i yeah. think it should be worth a lot more just for like the off chance that it happens you kind of get this bonus because it doesn't it doesn't feel like anymore there's like there used to be you mentioned hextall and like broder there used to be goalies that like always tried for it now it just seems like they're really random and you know, sometimes some guy just tries it. Well, Omar, seen, Omar had one last year too, I think, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, having seen, you know, some goalies handle the puck like Luongo and Demko, I think it's better that some goalies don't even try <laughs> yeah. at all. Some goalies yeah. just can't stick handle, although it is just fun to see. And it's so smooth. It has to be the right moment, uh, the right amount of space and the right time to do it. But I do love seeing it for sure. It, it probably depends on the the coach too. I'm sure there are coaches like uh, that don't want the goal even attempting it just in case they they flub it and it leads to like a time yeah. goal or something. Although I, like on a tangent, I think that's changed a little bit. Where in the past, if you had an empty net, they want you to carry it over the blue or red line to avoid mm. that icing. But now they're just saying go for it because on the off chance you score a goal, it's totally worth the icing call. Yeah, and I think teams are also like pulling the goalie a lot earlier now. Yeah, I think like 20, 25 years ago, teams were pulling the goalie with maybe a minute left, under a minute. Yeah. Now, now we're seeing it with a few minutes left. We're seeing a lot of actually. I've seen a lot of, and I think this happened in the the Canucks game last night too, right? There's an empty net goal, and then there's a goal after the empty net goal by the other team, yeah. <laughs> and so the empty net goal becomes like the winning goal. So yeah, that's that's how early they're pulling them sometimes. Yeah, but I mean, do you count? game winners and like shorthanded points like things that rarely happen in your league i hate those because i feel I, like I they're don't. really sluck yeah I, I can't stand game winning goals the most because like they're never like nine times out of ten it's not even a true game winning goal right like the example yeah. i just mentioned last night like the Canucks score in the empty net to make it four two and then calgary scores late so the empty net goal ends up being the game winning goal like it just 
you know, you could I, I could see an argument if you want to count like overtime winners, like legitimate game winning goals. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just random goals that end up being the game winning goal. They don't work for me. I think when you count the last goal or like the go ahead goal as a game winning goal, that's yeah. just being lazy. Like you're yeah. forgetting the context there. <laughs> no, for sure. And I also don't like it because sometimes not maybe not so much with game winning goals, but like shorthanded points. A lot of times it's yeah. just like one or two a week that decide the category. Yeah. So. But anyway, speaking of shorthanded power play and sticking with the pens, Chris Latang practicing on power play one, replacing Brian Russ before they head to Philly to play him on Monday. Um, what do you think about that? What are your thoughts? Uh, it's pretty exciting if you have Chris Letang. Obviously, he's kind of had a tough year. I think he's pacing for his worst point total uh, over a full season, like in, in about a decade. I think he's barely in the 40-point category. Kind of um, expected, though. Yeah, a little bit. But, I mean, he's he had 21 power play points last year. and he, I don't think he has one yet, so... This hopefully gets him going. Carlson's still going to be on the the power play one, so mm-hmm. it'll be two defensemen, which we've seen some teams do. So if you've been kind of debating what to do with Latang, um, you should probably hold him and see just what happens here because he's still okay for hits and blocks coverage. So yep. if he does have a, a surge in points, he's, he's probably worth hanging on to. Yeah, I agree. And I think having two righties on that power play in the back I think it's going to open a lot of options for them because their power play has not been good. So anytime you can change it up and if you can add a player of Chris Letang's caliber to your power play, I think that's a great thing and it should elevate everyone. It sucks though for Brian Russ that he's off power play one because you got to imagine that hurts his production a little. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think he's somebody that really could have used that bump, but he's going to drop down. We'll see how long it lasts. I could always flip it back. One thing I am interested to see is how this impacts uh, Carlson because he kind of it was in that position with the Sharks with Burns mm-hmm. back in the day, and that never really went superbly, I think. And you saw him really kind of flourish when Burns was moved and he mm-hmm. was there by himself. So I'm kind of curious to see what it what it does for Carlson. But yeah, I think that that Penn's power play is, you know, one of the worst in the league. Could really use a jolt. Yeah, and I wonder. I mean, usually players on the second power play unit aren't as fantasy relevant, but I wonder who they're going to play on the second unit in terms of defensemen. Like, uh, <laughs> I mean, they yeah. don't really have anyone else who can generate. Unless Mark- you're go Marcus Patterson, I think Maybe. Marcus Patterson would be my guess. But yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see what they do. It, it's it's for as much talent as they have, it should be a better power play. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't help when Raquel has been ice cold all season. Yeah, he's hurt now, but I mean, they could have used him earlier. Yeah, based on the season he had last year too, it's kind of surprising he's been yeah having such a rough year for sure. Uh, speaking of rough year, so Dougie Hamilton is out indefinitely with a torn pectoral. That really sucks That's for tough. both Hamilton uh, owners and also uh, the Devils power play because he's legit really good. And even though Luke Hughes was playing more minutes, Dougie Hamilton was putting up the numbers. But- yeah, it's a t- it's a tough loss. Like that's that, that's a t- talented offensive team. I know they've been mm-hmm. struggling in the win column, but yeah, if you have Hamilton, that's a tough one. So they what they do is they call up Simone Nemec, uh, who is awesome, one of the best prospects in the league, known for known for his uh, smooth skating, good passing, good offensive instincts. He's going to power play the second unit. Does he have some value, or do you think he plays too little to have fantasy value? I don't know. I, I kind of like him as a 
as a bit of a sleeper. And I think we'll talk about that later, but mm-hmm. I, he had, you know, two assists the other night in his first game played over 22 minutes, uh, a few shots. So he looked really good. I think if I missed out on Hughes, I might, you know, if I, if I was someone that lost Hamilton, and I missed out on Hughes. I might take a look at him. Um, I think the devils are kind of struggling a bit right now. So, mm. or, or just kind of not, not on, on great footing. So I, I could see Nemich getting a chance if he's the guy that's kind of helping that unit get going. So yeah, I, I don't mind um, taking a look at him. I think, you know, if you're somebody that uh, is in a good position in the standings in your league and you can afford to take a bit of a chance, maybe that's someone you look at because you could have a bit of an opportunity here. And you got to think that this boosts uh, Luke Hughes' fantasy value quite a bit. So he's got 14 points oh, on the season. Um, half of them are on the power play. And it's not that he's been bad. It's just there's so many weapons on that power play that Luke Hughes might get the third assist if they ever counted those. Yeah. So I wonder um, if Luke Hughes gets that bump for the entire season. And again, it sucks that they lose Hamilton, but Luke Hughes just gets a huge, huge fantasy boost now. Yeah, he does. And I mean, he's going to start on that first unit. We already know he's a pretty talented player and, you know, the Devils are loaded with talent. They're going to get players back soon. You know, they're going to get Meyer back at some point. So it's it's a good spot to be in if you have Luke Hughes because he just kind of gets that step up. And yeah, he could be. Maybe that pushes him. I mean, I think, I think Bedard's going to win the Calder unless something mm. crazy happens. But I think Hughes could be in the conversation if he goes on a big run here. Speaking of Timo Meyer, um, what do you think of his rest of season value? Because he's playing on the second unit. He hasn't really gelled. He's not scoring a lot. Um, he gets some uh, goals and assists, like enough for him to be rostered still. But he's more of a death player now. I, I really don't think he's going to have that much value. Yeah, it hasn't been a great year for him. Um, I think it, I, I'm always cautious of players that had really, really good years or looked really good on sort of weaker teams that mm. then go to stronger teams. I think sometimes they can get lost in the shuffle. I think sometimes that sort of like big fish in a small pond scenario happens on some mm-hmm. of those weaker teams and they get a lot of production that way. So I think he's just kind of, you know, sort of fallen victim to just getting a bit lost in the line shuffle here. But he looked really good for a stretch when he got bumped up to play with Jack Hughes. I mean, I guess who doesn't? But yeah, who does? <laughs> who doesn't? But I think he kind of needs that to, to get his game going. Um, he, he just doesn't quite look like himself or, or the way he did in San Jose, that's for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm almost hesitant to touch that Hughes line with Toffoli and Mercer, though, because Mercer's been picking it up. Yeah, like I don't think the Devils plan on doing that anytime soon, but if you have Meyer, I think that's kind of what you're hoping for because that's the best he's looked all year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I want to mention too, uh, St. Louis is Jake neighbors. So he was kind of one of their top prospects, but was stuck in the bottom four or bottom six to start the season. Cause they didn't really have room for him. Now he's playing top line and top power play and he's on fire. What do you think of him as a fantasy streamer or is he a rest of season hold? Uh, I'd be thinking about holding him for now. Uh, the Blues, to me, um, I've only watched a handful of their games, but <laughs> they seem to play a lot of high events, high event games, yeah. high scoring games. <laughs> um, sometimes they work in their favor, sometimes they don't. But yeah, he's been he's been really good. You know, like Bushnevich has been great that he's playing with. Um, they can score, and he's in a good spot. You know, you can definitely start him out as a streamer and, and see where it takes you, but. 
sometimes that's what happens, right? You pick up somebody as a streamer and you just end up not being able to drop them because mm-hmm. like they're, they're just playing so well. And right now I think neighbors is, is that, you know, guy for a lot of people. I know his like rostered uh, percentage has really jumped up over the last week. So um, if you can still grab him, I, I would take a chance on him. Currently the blues leader with nine goals, uh, one ahead of Thomas Butchnevich and Braden Shen. Yeah. It's a team that like, doesn't, like Thomas, I think is more of a setup man. Yeah, you know, sure. Ky- Kyru is usually a decent scorer, but you know he struggled. Yeah, he struggled Four goals a bit. I think Bujnevich is still playing well, so mm-hmm. yeah, uh, neighbors has kind of stepped into that that void, and he's really scoring. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think there's definitely some rest of season value, and with the Blues, um, I know it kind of sucks to have a team that scores by committee, kind of like the Canes, yeah. but a, a lot worse. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're they're like an up and down team too like at the start of the year i thought wow this team looks bad and then suddenly like a couple of weeks ago they were like firmly in a playoff spot and now i think they've fallen back a bit. i think there's going to be like a lot of uh, ups and downs with them this year yeah 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 and you know i don't think we can go an episode of a fantasy hockey podcast without talking about goalies <laughs> oh definitely not <laughs> um i just want to touch on a couple things so uh, real quick, Andre Vasilevsky struggling a bit. Do you think maybe it's just because, you know, this is the beginning of the season for him, just coming back from back surgery, got lit up for six goals, losing 8-1 to the Stars. Um, what do you make of that? And should we maybe pick up Jonas Johansson again <laughs> as no, insurance no. policy? <laughs> do not, do not do that. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting. Like, he hasn't looked real great. I think he's only had one quality start out of the four he's played but since he's also back. the entire team i think has looked on and off yeah I, i've seen more highlights of john cooper ripping into his team this season than i have in the past five seasons that that's that's what i was gonna say like uh i mean i'm hesitant to say it as a leafs fan because i could just <laughs> see them coming back in the first round or something and, <laughs> and uh knocking out toronto but yeah they don't look they they look to me like a team that is finally kind of coming down slowly but surely like if you look at their core um other than Braden point i think everyone's really over 30 there now like they're they're a little bit older than some of the (laughs) other teams look what they paid for tanner Janot. he's gotta be a core player now right yeah i mean i I hope he's not one of their core players (laughs) or they're in trouble but um yeah like stamkos again he's up there like kucherov is is been unbelievable too that's where that's where i would start to get concerned it's like okay kucherov's played really well and we're still kind of a 500 team. We're fighting for a, I mean, it's still early, but we're sort of fighting for a playoff spot. They definitely don't look as strong as they have in years past. They, they, they put it this way. They don't look as able to withstand like the players they've lost for cap reasons or like when Andre Vasilevsky was out, like they just, they're not able to prop other guys up anymore as well, I think. And that defense core is, is a little thin after the first couple guys after Hedman and company, like it's, there's no more Ryan McDonough there. There's no more Jan Ruda there. Like they're just, they're just a little bit thinner there now, I think. Yeah, and sure. it's, it's tough, right? Like I think Vasilevsky is still going to be pretty good. He, he should be well rested, you know, an early playoff exit. He sat out for almost two months to start the year. Like he should be at least refreshed, but yeah, if you watched him in the playoffs, I, I don't know exactly if he was injured then, but he he didn't play very well against Toronto. And if you watch that Stars game, which I did on Saturday, a lot of those goals were kind of similar to the ones he was giving up against the Leafs, like just kind of 
shots from the point through traffic that he just couldn't locate. There was a couple of those. Um, so yeah, I'd be, I'd be mildly concerned if I had him because it hasn't been, been a great start, but, uh, I don't know, maybe he's a buy low candidate out there for, for somebody. I don't know if he's a buy low, but cause he still got that awesome reputation ahead of him. Uh, the problem with him is maybe you buy low and stays low for their entire yeah, season because they got no depth, right? When you have Mikey Asimov playing top six minutes, it's it's yeah. kind of hard to win games, especially considering there's so much talent around the league. But if you're a Vasilevsky owner, you have to hold him and you have to keep playing him because presumably yeah. you don't really have like a second elite goalie to depend on and you just kind of have to ride it out and hope by the end of the season his save percentage is above 9-10 and he's getting you a fair share of wins. Yeah, and I mean, you have to think about it. Like, he normally plays a lot anyway. I could see him playing even more this year because he's missed the first two months. So You really be- don't like Jonas Johansson. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't have an issue with him. Personally, <laughs> I just think he has trouble stopping the puck. <laughs> like, he's... Uh, kind of important if you're a goalie, eh? Yeah, so, I mean, I don't think... I think Tampa, you know, did the best they could with him, but I, I think he's, I think he's even questionable that he's like a true backup. But I think that's who they have, and I don't see him playing much more than the second game of a back-to-back, or unless it's kind of like a really favorable opponent for for Tampa at this point. I think they're gonna because they're not in a position. Like put it this way, the last few seasons, like their playoff position was virtually guaranteed by you know the new year, and they were still playing Vasilevsky mm-hmm. a ton, so. This year, I think they're going to have to fight to get in. So I don't mm-hmm. see them playing Johansson more than other backups they've had in years past. But mm-hmm. we'll mm-hmm. see. Uh, speaking of fighting to get in, the Canes goalies are oh, a massive dear. headache this year. So I was looking this up. Their save percentage this season heading into Sunday's games is 868. Now, usually the league low every season is around 880, 890. So they're well below that. Now, if you're an anti-Ranta or a Pyotr Kachetkov uh, fantasy owner, there's just no way around it. You know you're going to get a win, but that save percentage is going to be <laughs> super ugly. And you kind of, again, like Vasilevsky, you have to ride it out. Yeah, and I wonder how much of, like, I haven't really d- taken a deep dive into it, but I wonder how much of those numbers came off of a few. They've had a couple of really bad games. In the yeah, last like, like that 600 save percentage. Type yeah, like that eight goals on 14 shots from Ranta. And then Kochekov yeah. had a bad one on was it Thursday. Um, he had like five goals on something, 16 uh, shots. Something, something like, like that, that, yeah. Yeah, maybe more even. Uh, but yeah, it's it's tough. We, we talk about the Canes goalies a lot. They're, the team is good at limiting shots. So if you're if you're getting less than 20 shots and you're giving up four or five goals, uh, that's what's the point, problem. right? That, that's a huge problem um, mm-hmm. because, yeah, it's going to destroy your stats for the week. You're not going to be able to come back from it. So it's weird. You almost it's strange because I think the Canes are a good team, a good defensive team, but you almost have to start them a little bit selectively now. I think if you yeah. have them, um, I think the one the one interesting thing of notice Kachekov has played in four straight. I want to say now um, started four straight games and four or five anyway, and he's had three or four pretty good starts outside of that one on Thursday. So maybe he's kind of taking over the net a little bit. Um, if you have Kachekov, that's a good thing, but yeah, I also like, I don't know. I don't know if you've noticed this, but the Canes don't look quite as dominant dominant. Yeah. Or, or like, 
they're never really dominant, but they're so structured and smothering usually against their opponent. They don't quite look like they're clicking on all cylinders this year. So maybe that has something to do with it too. But if you're giving up that many goals, it's a problem. Yeah. And I think on a surface level, the analytics always favor the Canes. Yeah. But sometimes I wonder if they just throw pucks on net from outside too much. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder if they would rather take fewer shots but try to get into the guts of the ice. And then for the goalies, maybe you don't have to go out and block everything because I do think there is some credence to the to the idea that goalies who face more shots get into a better rhythm. Yeah. Because I look at Kochekov and sometimes he makes incredible saves. Sometimes I'm going, what are you doing? Dude, you like a junior goalie would could stop that shot that just Well, that's out. yeah, that's the knock on him is that he's he's really good. Just the goals he gives up are just like head scratching. Like that's what everyone says <laughs> yeah. about him. And like, he, it, I mean, it's kind of picking the lesser of two evils cuz Ranta hasn't been good and you kind of have to go with Kochekov and I feel like they're just gonna go with the hot hand. And they're going to go on these streaks. They're going to win a couple, lose a couple. And when they lose, they're just going to rotate. When they win, they're just going to go with the hot hand. I do wonder, though, if sneakily they might be a team that's looking for a third goalie um, to help them out because they just had Halak, but they cut him after a tryout. But, I mean, Reimer's on the block. Uh, Daniil Tarasov's back in Columbus, so maybe Spencer Martin's available. I just wonder, you know. There's a few teams looking for goalies this year. Yeah, I could see them poking around to see what's available. Actually, speaking of, we were talking about how the Canes give up. uh, Sometimes they give up so few shots. Have you noticed, like, is that becoming a little bit of a trend lately? Like, I noticed a couple of games this week, like Markstrom in the one game, was it against Dallas? I think he faced 16 shots uh, Mm -hmm. in that game. Something really crazy like that. Um, Talbot, too, earlier this week against Washington, only 17 shots, and he lost that game 2-1. So I've been noticing there's been a lot of like low shot totals lately. Have you? But seen it's because the other teams presumably are shooting them 2-1. to one. Yeah, pot- potentially, yeah. It's just like uh, that's so problematic to me for goalies. Like you're just... When yeah, because you're, you're not seeing the shots. Yeah, man. like in fantasy, and, when you're only seeing 17, 18 shots, like you're just on a knife edge. Like any any goal that goes in at that point, it's just going to sink you. And uh, we kind of, I kind of touched upon this uh, before the episode started, but I was talking about how a lot of forwards are blocking more shots than normal. Yeah. I, I found that it seems like a lot of forwards are averaging a block per game. A lot in the past, there are a lot of forwards who used to finish with like 20 block shots, but there are lots, I think, who could finish quite a few. I think Nick Bonino is actually one of the highest volume shot blockers this season. And forward granted, or defense or just forward? Uh, both. Oh, okay. Like on a per game basis. Yeah. He's blocking, I think, almost three per game. Um, I, I actually want to look this up right now just in case it I'm is, like it lying is, to it- myself. It is interesting. Like some people have told me they don't e- ever look at block shots for forwards, if they ha- even if they have blocks in their league. But I always mm-hmm. consider it. There's some forwards that just block more shots than others. Okay. So Nick Benino has played 22 games. How many shots do you think he's blocked so far? His career high is 102. Uh, in, in 22 games, I'm going to say 40? 51. 51 wow okay. <laughs> 51 block shots that's that's impressive and i he's, know he's all he's good on faceoffs too right and like yeah like, like on good... that team he's a specialist yeah yeah a block a forward that gets block shots is very 
it's a difference maker because there's just not that many of them. Yeah, especially at that rate. It used to be if you got a forward who can play or it can score like 60 to 80 points and you blocked a shot per game, that was pretty good. Yeah. That was good category coverage. Now It's you funny. Guys... Like, like last year, I think the top three in forwards were Pedersen, Matthews, and Kopitar. I don't remember yeah. what order they were in, but it's those like 80s, guys. Right? 90s? Yeah, around the 80s. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. think anybody hit 100 for forwards mm-hmm. last year. But mm-hmm. yeah, those, those guys were a big bonus if you had blocks because yeah. Yeah. they're so good offensively too. And I think to your point, I think it was Markstrom who said he liked facing more shots yeah. because he could feel the puck and, and get into a rhythm. And I do think there's a happy balance where if you don't let your goalie see a lot of shots, it's just going to be really hard to stop pucks because you're, you're so out of the game. You're at the you're alone at the end of the ice where you're when your team's at the other end, just whipping it around. You're getting cold and not staying warm. Yeah, in fantasy, there's almost no value to low shots unless you're getting a shutout out of it and a mm-hmm. win, which I mean, it's still rare to get a shutout. So like, I think you'd always rather face more shots because if you have total saves as a category, there's more room for error. You know, if you give up four on like 40 shots, it's not as bad. So, and on the final point about the Canes goalie. So if your save percentage is 868 and it's well below the league worst over the past few seasons, you got to think that bounces back. It can't it stay this forever or this it should year. it should like i think a lot of people have been banking on someone like chekov you know when anderson um went down like i think people were were really counting on him and you know he hasn't delivered yet it's it's december maybe they start you know pulling it up but we'll, we'll see right we also haven't seen a lot of kachekov and you know maybe it's just like maybe we just pr- like you know uh, hyped him up too much yeah hyped him up too much <laughs> over a little you know, I was probably guilty of it because he sort of saved my season last year. But, yeah, he's still a, a young goalie that hasn't played a ton of NHL games yet. So he's still probably working through that. But, yeah, to me, the Canes are a team that are a lot better. And you'd think that save percentage would improve. Yeah. I mean, we are only through a quarter of the season. Tuesday was, I think, officially what the NHL considers the quarter poll. Yep. Or the quarter mark of the season. So, in honor of that, actually, I thought we can talk about some of the players who have been really uh, surprisingly good or surprisingly disappointing and sure. awful. Um, I just want to quickly ask, uh, we'll run through kind of each category. Uh, we're not going to name a winner, but we'll just throw some names out there for people to consider. Um, best fantasy player so far, in your opinion? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I'm going to go with... on the running. I'm going to say Jack Hughes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think... I think just from where he was picked, like, I think he's, you know, I think he's still points per game leader in the NHL right now. Um, mm-hmm. or right up there. He was the other day. So I think for where he was taken, probably outside of the top five in a lot of leagues, um, he's given an incredible guy. He's had that small injury, uh, missed a few games, but other than that, he's been really good. And I think, you know, given McDavid's start, I think there was a lot more kind of hype around Hughes this year. He maybe had an outside chance at that scoring title, but, um mcdavid's rolling again but yeah i think Hughes just he he shoots the puck so much he he yeah. always puts up you know good offensive numbers so for me uh, it's Hughes. jack hughes uh league leader at 1.76 points per game um but simon nemich had two points in his first game so he's act technically he's uh, the leader. okay <laughs> <laughs> two points yeah uh in my opinion um david pasternak has been incredible this season uh, tied second in the league in points, shoots a ton. I thought he would be one of those players that kind of regressed because he doesn't have Krejci to play with. Mm-hmm. 
but he's been a one-man offensive machine. I think as far as right wingers and forwards go, because it's such a thin position in fantasy sometimes, I think he has probably been, my, in my opinion, the best fantasy asset, best fantasy player. That's a good one. I think he doesn't get enough credit too for some of his passing. Like he's a really good. Yeah, passer. he's a really good playmaker. For yeah, sure. if you saw that uh, the Shattenkirk goal last night, it was an incredible. Oh yeah, incredible pass by him. So yeah, he he. I think he's viewed as kind of like a sniper, but he's a really good passer too. Yeah, the one time Shattenkirk actually did anything of value this season, <laughs> or the past three seasons. <laughs> I know it's been it's been a tough go there for him. Yeah, uh, best goalie. Best goalie. Um. I'm going to kind of go with a guy that I thought um, was going to regress um, or just wasn't going to be able to sustain what he did in the playoffs. But I like Aiden Hill this year. He's been really good numbers, really good win-loss record, um, right up there in save percentage. So I'll, I'll say Hill. Uh, mine's Thatcher Demko. No homer here. I just think he's been really good. If you're yeah, picking a Vesna winner, I think he's definitely a top three finalist. I agree. Yeah, it's kind of scary when the Canucks get a lead because you almost think like, Oh man, I don't know if Demko's going to give up another one. Here. Yeah. Like, Until he starts <laughs> handling the puck, then you're like, Oh my God, please stay in net. Um, fifth in league in saves 485, uh, save percentage, 924 goals against at 2.26, 12 wins among the leaders in all categories. Uh, speaking of which, would you like to venture a guest who is a guest who is the league leader in saves? League leader in total saves. Yeah. Um, Connor Hellebuck? No, it's your favorite. Jonas Johansson. Is he really? <laughs> yeah, 521 saves. He's the league leader. Oh, my, I guess. Yeah, he's only – he's probably played – yeah, I don't think the – I don't, I don't think he's had a couple of nights off more than that. Like no. And, out. Yeah, and to your point, like we talked about, the Tampa Bay defense, not so good. Wow, interesting. All right, maybe I will pick him back up. Yeah, mm-hmm. see. Count saves <laughs> and not save percentage. You're, you're good to go. Um. Based on average draft position, uh, who has been the worst uh, highly picked player? Mm. Per position. Uh, so for goalies, who do you think has been not oh, living up to their average draft value, basically? I would probably say Philip Gustafson oh, would, yeah. would be my pick. I don't yeah. exactly know how high he went, but I know based on last year, he went pretty high in a lot of leagues, I'd mm-hmm. say. So I'd say him. Although the, the Wild have been a bit better lately but yeah it has not been a good start for Gustafson. yeah i mean this is always a sort of a tricky goalie for categories or a tricky category for goalies because they always tend to be picked too high especially if you're doing zero g so for me Ilya sorokin with an average mm. draft position of 17.8 uh highly disappointing so far yep that's a good one uh defenseman um for this one was was tough but I went with Miro Haskinen just because the stars are so good. His numbers aren't so great. One goal, uh, minus rating. And we've always talked about how great he was as a player. Last season had a breakout season. This season, we're going back to the conversation where he's probably better in real life than in fantasy. Yeah, he is for me. That, that's that's who I was going to say as well. Okay, um, He's only had that one big year, too. I wonder, mm-hmm. like, does Evan Bouchard qualify a bit? Like, I know he's... He's he's been pretty good, but I think there was a lot more expected from him. Yeah, um, I think I, he strikes me as a player who's much better in fantasy than in real life. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> but I think the people that were t- like a lot of people were saying like, oh, he's gonna get eighty points this year. Like, so yeah, I think he I was mean, he just yeah. kind of got lost a bit in that Oilers struggle. But I think he's been okay. It's just yeah, I think a lot of people really hyped him up a lot. 
I mean, if you're counting on a per game basis, he's still point per game. So yeah. not far off, but it's just all the talk surrounding the Oilers. It seems like he's having a bad season, but yeah. statistically not so much. Um, among forwards, I'm going to stick with the stars. I think Jason Robertson has easily been one of the most disappointing. Uh, grab a draft position of 8.3. And the other is Andre Kuzmenko. Uh, we knew yeah. a regression was coming, but we did not think or expect two healthy scratches and multiple benchings. Yeah, Robertson was right up there for me too. I was going to say Kaprizov as well. Mm. Um, I think he's hurt. He must be hurt. Yeah, not quite looking like himself for sure. Um, that's another one I'm saying. I'll, I'll stick with the Wild. Even Boldy, you know, yeah. 31 goals last year, really struggling to score. So those two guys for me. I know I've, yeah. I mean, I've said three different uh, Wild answers. <laughs> <Gustafson>. <laughs> I'm not picking on them, but yeah. Well, I mean... We're not counting players who have been injured, right? Because that's kind of yeah, that's, everyone's control. That's part of it, yeah. Yeah. So on the flip end, uh, best bargain pick per position. So for goalies, I think this is easy for a 0G guy, right? Yeah, uh, there's a lot to choose from. I would say either Cam Talbot or maybe even Joseph Wool. Like, uh, he's right up there too. Was Joseph Wool getting drafted in your leagues? He was drafted in my league, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, so really no one thinks Ilya Samsonov can really do it, eh? <laughs> well, I think a lot of people thought maybe they'd be a tandem, but I think Wool's kind of it's sort of tilted to Wool now. And okay. you know, he's looking he's looking good going forward. Yeah. yeah, Cam Talbot looks great. I really wonder how he's gonna handle the workload for the rest of the season. Yeah, his age is a factor. Yeah. And I also think uh to your point, Aiden Hill, Logan Thompson both really great value and even the Bruins goalies everyone's like oh they're yep. gonna regress but all Mark and Swayman may be on pace for their second straight Jennings we'll see what about Connor Ingram was he even drafted he probably wasn't drafted he dropped he wasn't drafted yeah, yeah. so but he's been excellent. I mean Alex Lyon you could talk about him too wasn't drafted yeah he's been he's been playing well lately um I'd like to see I think Detroit has another nice schedule next week I think they got the Sharks so I'm hoping mm -hmm. uh Lyon gets that start yeah, yeah, yeah. Detroit has San Jose and Ottawa. They only play twice, mm -hmm. and they're both at home. So nice little break and, and nice matchups for them. Yeah. Uh, defensemen, uh, do you have anyone in mind? Best value. Um, hmm. I'm trying to think here. I can't think off the top of my head who. I, I think this depends on your league settings too. Like yeah. if you're looking for bangers, there's plenty of guys who have been really good at blocking shots or hits but for me the two all-round guys mike matheson we yeah. talked about him quite a bit this season really strong finished the season with the halves or a really strong season in general with the halves last season picked up where he left off and then philip heronic for the canucks oh yeah yeah that's a good one. i'll also throw in uh he slowed down a bit now but jake sanderson had a really good start for the sense um, i still can't figure out that that defense man <laughs> like sanderson chicken <laughs> and shabbat i don't know who to roster who to drop yeah i'm i'm sticking to sanderson i've had sanderson all year he's, he's been really good um like if you have block shots in your league he's been mm -hmm. really good there and he's he's provided a, a fair bit of offense too so mm -hmm. and it's also frustrating because they're not winning games or playing well because yeah. you and you feel like you're leaving some you know points on the table with the defensemen yeah they, they're i mean i think we'll talk about disappointing teams but they're they're up there <laughs> <laughs> um forwards uh best bargain forwards that you can think of right now uh i'm gonna say this this 
player to me is underrated every year. Um, I'm going to go with Brock Nelson. Yes. I think he was, I think he had an ADP of 142. Um, he could get 40 goals. Uh, last As late as last week, he was in the top 15 in shots on goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's dropped a bit, but yeah, I think he's good value. He never seems to get impacted by the Islanders struggling to score at times. And uh, yeah, he's really solid for me. The Islanders are a funny team. So yeah. They're ranked, I think, bottom five in goals per game. And they haven't had trouble scoring. But the defensive breakdowns plus Ilya Sorokin struggling means they're really struggling to win games. Yeah, it's not what we're used to from them. No. Uh, Fours for me, uh, Frank Vetrano, the hat trick machine. He slowed down a bit, but I do think on a team like the Ducks where they don't have a lot of top six when Zegers is out, I like the shot volume. I think that's going to keep going. And then William Carlson was the other one. We kind of forgot yeah. about him because we thought Chandler Stevenson kind of stepped over him on the step chart. But he's been having an incredible season. And then in Buffalo, I think Casey Middlestat's been a great pick. Um, yeah. Dylan Cousins was kind of the guy getting all the high, uh, headlines as potentially breakout player. Tage, we know what he could do. But Tage injured. Um Cousins not really living up to the hype in his second season, getting punched in the face too mop too often by Garnet Hathaway. Uh, middle stat's been really good. Yeah, he's kind of past Cousins on the in the pecking order now too. Mm-hmm. Middle stat's been really good. You know, even the last quarter of last year, he was really good. He just yeah, kind of continued true. it. True. Um, banger leagues. Um, th- usually, banger league rankings are quite a bit different, as you would know, because people constantly yell at you for ranking Brady Chuck too low. but i think jt miller is downright one of the best banger league players you could ever get and he's one of those guys where because he doesn't have as much name recognition as elite superstar um but i think if you can get him in the first two rounds he does everything for you yeah he's really good um i'm gonna say um since i picked three wild for negative uh choices (laughs) four i'm gonna say uh yoel erickson eck um, oh yeah, maybe my favorite player. Speaking of, we're recording this Sunday evening. Five hits today for Yoel Eriksson um, mm-hmm. in the gaming in Chicago. So he's great for overall category coverage. Um, and uh, two goals for Marco Rossi too. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> nice little first line center who doesn't score a lot, but once in a while he have one of those good games. Yeah. As far as teams go, obviously. You know, there's always teams that are surprises every year, but do you have a team that's been really surprising to you or disappointing um, in terms of like a fantasy perspective where some teams usually have a bunch of options, but they end up being all terrible or maybe vice versa? Yeah, I'm trying not to say the wild again here. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with the state. I'm going to go with the Sabres. They're the most disappointing for me. Um, yeah most surprisingly disappointing. Like I thought out of all those, I'll, I'll call them bottom four teams of the Atlantic that, you know, were kind of had been in the mm-hmm. bottom for the last few years. I thought they were going to be the team this year that most was ready to take a step. And it's obviously been Detroit. Um, Buffalo has been, been really not, not terrible, but I think we just expected more. We talked about cousins, yeah. you know, not great. Thompson's been hurt. Um, they've had just the goaltending has been, kind of a mess like UPL's kind of stabilized it a bit in the last couple mm-hmm. of weeks but it, it hasn't been great there like Levi got sent down 
um, to the AHL, which um, I had a huge army of people tell me that would never happen, but he's down there now. And it's a good thing. Like You keep he's, receipts? He's going to, yeah. Oh, well, for that one, I did. I've never seen people defend a player so staunchly. Like they just thought, oh, this guy's never mm. going to play an AHL game. But well, that's because you've never hated on Quinn Hughes. He's <laughs> a Canucks Twitter after you. Oh yeah, I don't. I don't want Canucks Twitter after me. That's <laughs> but, but yeah, I'm with you the Sabers. Like going into the season, you think you have a lot of options. You know, top yeah. two lines. Uh, maybe Owen Power steps up, becomes a good banger league guy. But I think so far it's been disappointing uh, up and down the entire roster. I think more t- also to like beyond a fantasy hockey perspective. Like I think a lot of people. I mean, especially around Buffalo, I think they thought they'd be a playoff team this year, push yeah. for a playoff spot, and yeah. Still time, but it's yeah, it's not looking great. Yeah. For me, though, the most surprising team that's offered more fantasy options than I could ever expect was the Arizona Coyotes. What a gold yeah. mine. Yeah, see, I'm not I'm not that shocked by that because mm. I I I had a lot of coyotes on my roster last year. Like they had a good uh top line last year. They had some players that could score on the back ends. Their goalies are like kind of last year they were sneaky good for small stretches this year like mm-hmm. ingram's been really really good like he looks legit he's he's been excellent so yeah it's a I, i'm maybe i'm a little surprised they've been this good but I, i'm not surprised you're finding some good options there yeah yeah all right before we finish off with keepers and sleepers i think we have one mailbag question that we can get to all right so uh let's go to four miles uh to home Drop Tarasenko for Patrick Kane. Already have Raymond and Batherson. So Patrick Kane signed with the Red Wings. We know that he's probably going to play soon. Hasn't played yet. But what are your thoughts about this question? I'm going to say, yeah, I I would probably definitely do that. Tarasenko has been a little disappointing this year in Ottawa. Um, Who hasn't been disappointed? Yeah. Except maybe for Timmy Stutzla. Tim Stutzla, yeah. Um, Hasn't, you know, Tarasenko hasn't been doing a ton. Um, The Sens have kind of split up those wingers a bit too. Mm -hmm. They're spreading them out over three lines. So there's not as much um, talent for Tarasenko to play with really. But yeah, I just think the upside of Kane, like, you know, if he's healthy, Detroit's got a really potent top six. They look a lot better, stronger. I think Kane's probably going to end up on that first power play too, wouldn't you think, at some point when he gets back? Yeah. I mean, they got enough talent to spread it around, but based on what Kane's saying about how he can do the moves that he couldn't do a few years ago, yeah. Um, but knowing that, you know, hip resurfacing surgery is tough to come back from, uh it's it's tough to say but i think you want to gamble on the potential here i think patrick kane's upside is much higher than tarasenko's of course and what are like what are you really losing with tarasenko at this point like are there are there that many worse options on waivers right now Mm -hmm. especially like in a crazy deep league there's probably some comparable options out there i would think if Mm -hmm. it doesn't go Mm -hmm. well with kane and if patrick kane was sold on the red wings partially because of Derek lalon's x's and o's and they know how to utilize him, and Kane agrees with how they're going to utilize him. I think that should form a pretty productive relationship. Yeah, and you think like the Red Wings that would have been part of the negotiations? Like they're not going to tell Kane, "Yeah, we're going to play you on the on the second power play and on yeah. the on, on the second line." Like they, they're going to going to ask you to kill penalties. Yeah, I'm sure they promised him Larkin and Debrinkat and top power play time. So yeah, there's lots of upside there. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. All right, sleeper and keeper time. Why don't you go ahead? 
All right. Uh, we talked a, a little about him earlier. Uh, Simone Nemich, that's my sleeper. Really good first game. Um, like I said, with Hamilton out, maybe he gets a little bit more of that power play time. And if you're in a good spot and you can take a, a risk you near know, the bottom of your roster, I take a chance on, uh, on Nemich. And your keeper? Keeper is uh, Leo Carlson. Oh, um, so good. Well, I'm I'm saying I heard recently uh, I saw a tweet the other day that he the Ducks are upping his games. They're going to allow him to play uh, three games per week pretty soon. So that's typically what teams play. I guess you have a couple of four game weeks here and there, but the Ducks play on so many off nights that even if he you know sits out the odd game um, for load management going forward, and who knows maybe. By the spring, they'll be fine with him playing every game. Um, but I think at this point, he's worth rostering if he's able to play three times a week. Yeah, I really like that pick, especially if you're in a keeper league. Tons yeah. of value. Got to unleash the beast on Leo Carlson. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, for me, my sleeper of the week, um, I got two. Um, Jake Neighbors, we just talked about him. Power play one, top line minutes. Um, looks like he's on a bit of a heater, but I do think he might stick there for a little longer. And then... Recency bites coming in. Marco Rossi, <laughs> top line minutes for the Wild. I know you don't like the Wild. <laughs> I, that's why I don't like them. I think they, they, I do like them. That's the problem. And they've, they've been just <laughs> disappointing me. So, yeah, I like Rossi. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, top line minutes playing between uh, Kaprizov and Zuccarello and Boldy sometimes. Uh, keepers of the week. Um, I'm going to go with Dawson Mercer. I do really like that Jack Hughes to Foley Mercer line. Uh, Mercer really slow start and then when Jack Hughes got injured up to shooting volume Hughes came back stuck on that same line and still has maintained that shooting volume so I think there's a lot of fantasy value to be had there and keep in mind we got three quarters of the season left to go yeah Mercer has been a huge comeback story like he was written off early in the year and he's he's now a pretty valuable piece yeah awesome all right that does it for this episode uh, have a great week good luck um, please like subscribe and rate this podcast and mike and i will be back next monday thank you for listening